going to start off by reading in Judges chapter 7, verse 1 and 8. It says this, So Gideon and his army got up early and went as far as the spring of Harad. The armies of Midian were camped north of them in the, uh, in the valley near the hill of Morah. The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many warriors with you. If I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. Therefore, tell the people, whoever is timid or afraid may leave this mountain and go home. So 22,000 of them went home, leaving only 10,000 who were willing to fight. But the Lord told Gideon, there are still too many. Bring them down to the spring, and I will test them to determine who will go with you and who will not. When Gideon took his warriors down to the water, the Lord told him, divide the men into two groups. Uh, one group, uh, sorry, into two groups. In one group, put all those who cut water in their hands and lap it up with their tongues like dogs. In the other group, put all those who kneel down and drink with their mouths in the stream. Only 300 of the men drank from their hands. All the others got down on their knees and drank with their mouths in the stream. The Lord told Gideon this, with these 300 men... I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. Send all the others home. Thank you, guys. When I was in elementary school, my, my favorite class was recess. I know, I know recess is not a class, but it was my favorite. I loved it, loved every, loved every second of it. And uh, typically, when it was recess time, there was one place that I ran to, and that was the basketball courts. I loved playing basketball. I loved uh, getting games going there on the court. But before every game, before we could play, we would have to pick teams. We'd have to pick teams. This was the moment that everybody that wanted to play would line up on the sideline. We'd then identify two captains to begin to select the team of their choice. One captain would pick, the other one would follow, so on and so forth, until the line would begin to shrink. As the line began to shrink, it did not just shrink numerically. It also shrunk in talent. Some of y'all, that was you. Ability, potential, and strength. And when both teams were, were filled, the ones that were left were typically the ones that the captains felt we're not enough. Have you ever felt like you were not enough? Inadequate, unable to perform the way you thought you could, flawed, broken. Nobody wants to select you. We've, we've all been there, especially in the context of, of God or even Christianity. When we compare ourselves to this unflawed, perfect God, we, we shrink back because we see our, our brokenness, inadequacies, all of the above. I remember when I was at a youth camp and I was ready to give my life to God. I was ready to surrender it all to Him. This thought entered my mind. Why would a perfect God want anything to do with you? Andrew, you're weak. Andrew, you're unable. Andrew, God is just not for people like you. What if I told you this, that your flaws, not the better version of you, the version of you today. What if I told you that that version 
of you wasn't a deal breaker for God? What if I told you it wasn't a deal breaker for God? God is the captain. He's selecting the team. He sees that you don't have all the potential in the world, but it's not a deal breaker for him. What if I told you that who you are today is a deal maker with God? You see, what I love about this story with Gideon, I love God's, I love God's tone. God was not in pursuit of strength. He wasn't in pursuit of numbers. Gideon, what are we working with? God, we have 32,000 men. No deal. I'm not interested in that. Bring it down. Okay, God, God, we, we brought it down to 10,000. You ready to go to war? No, Gideon, you're too strong. Gideon, what are you working with now? Well, God, I'm working with not enough. No potential. I'm working with only 300 men. And it's in that moment that God says, Gideon, I'm ready to go to war with you. Gideon, I'm ready to use you. What if your, your flaws, what if the things that you hate about yourself, what if those things were an invitation for God into your life? What if the poor version of you made God want to select you first rather than last? I believe this today. As much as it contradicts what we believe or what we feel, I believe that your weakness, your brokenness, your flaws, I believe they create a space for God to move in your life. They create a space. They create a space. It gives God something to work with. It makes you need him. When I was a teenager, me and my friends, we... Love going to this place called River Park. We've all been there. It's a place here in town, uh, not too far from here. Back in the day, River Park was more than just a place where you'd go watch movies or, 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 or grab something to eat. It was a place that I would go to meet the ladies. This is where I went. This is where I went. Never watched a movie. I couldn't afford it, but I didn't go there for that anyways. I went there to try to meet some girls. There was a group of about five of us. And four out of the five, like, we really had some, we had some game. We'd spent all week working on our pickup lines, figuring out what we were going to wear. We were ready. But we had one friend that was, he was annoying. He was not a chick magnet. They ran when they seen him. His breath alone would push girls in the opposite direction. There was this one weekend I was really excited. I'd been working real hard on my lines. This was the weekend I got a phone number. So I went up to my buddies, four of the five, and I said, guys, we can't take him. He needs to stay home. Somebody needs to tell him that we're not going anywhere this weekend so he doesn't bug us about going to River Park. I thought about that for like two seconds and then I realized something. None of us have transportation. Except, except that guy. <laughs> so as much as we didn't want him to join us on the journey, where we were weak, he was strong in transportation. Where we lacked, 
he had enough gas in the tank. Can I, can I tell you something today? Your weakness creates a space for God on your journey. You see, what God was trying to do with Gideon is he was trying to provide some strength. He was trying to provide some help. But there would be no space for God with 32,000 soldiers. So he said, Gideon, bring them down. I'm not trying to humiliate you with 22,000. I'm just trying to make some room for me to join the picture. 22 is still too much. Bring it down. Or I'm sorry, 10,000 is still too much. Bring it down. He brings it all the way down from 32,000 to 300 men. And it was in that moment that God knew, Gideon, even if you didn't want me to go to war with you, you don't have a choice. Your weakness creates a space for God. It's very, very powerful. The thing that you hate about yourself, God says, no, I can leverage that. I can, I can leverage your weakness. You want it to go away. You're tired of it, but God says, no, I can leverage your weakness. Without it, you don't need God. But if you're ever going to become the person God has called you to be, you will need God on the journey. It doesn't disqualify you. It invites God into your life. You may be thinking to yourself, well, man, I have a whole lot for God to work with. I got a lot of flaws. I got a lot of weaknesses. Andrew, why am I still weak? I don't feel like my weaknesses are, are working in my, my favor. I don't feel like God is bringing strength in my weaknesses. You see, God understands and God sees the potential of your life. And he knows what he's capable of doing if you ever surrender your weakness to him. But God is not the only one that sees the potential in your weakness. The Bible says this, that the devil roams around like a lion seeking whom he may devour. Can I let you in on a little secret? The devil don't like you. He hates you. He hates you, he's afraid of you, and he wants to stop you. And he knows that if your weakness ever gets in the hands of God, he's done. He's done. Why? Because he remembers that it only took 300 men, a weak thing, to take out 135,000 in a moment. God understands the potential. I'm sorry. The devil understands the potential in your weakness. So the same way that God will take your weakness and leverage it for gains, the enemy will take that same weakness and try to leverage it for shame. And he will try to shame you for your weakness. He wants to shame you. He wants you to feel ashamed for your flaws. He wants you to feel ashamed for your poor decision making. He wants you to feel like you deserve to have just a mediocre life and not a great one. He wants you to feel ashamed for what you did. He wants you to feel ashamed because he knows if they feel ashamed, they will never take their weakness to God. As a matter of fact, they'll hide. They'll hide their weakness. 
they'll, they'll, hide, they'll keep it from being exposed. And, and if it's not exposed, then God can never get his hands on it to do something great. So he shames us, myself included. Let me shame you, Andrew. Let me shame you, shame you, shame. Let me feel, let me make you feel bad about it. Let me make you continue to regret it so you never surrender it to God. God doesn't want you to live with that shame. God has so much more for you. Your weaknesses don't disqualify you. We've seen it in the story. God was not pursuing strength. He was pursuing weakness. Maybe you find yourself in this place today where you feel ashamed. You, you, your weaknesses have been highlighted to you. They're highlighted every day. You're reminded about them. Every time you step foot in church and the, ba the band begins to worship, you want to lift up your hands, but then the enemy says, no, not, not you. Not, not you. You want to take that step to grow in your spiritual walk, and it's in that moment that the enemy pulls you back by that chain called shame and says, no, not, not, not for you. This is as far as you can go when it comes with God. He's a perfect God. He don't like people like you. Can I tell you, you have no idea who's up here on this stage preaching to you today. You have no idea who's sitting next to, sitting next to you today. If, if you just knew a fraction of our story, both of your hands would go up in worship saying, if God can do it for them, God can do it for me. We don't have to be shamed anymore. Why? Because God is going to take our weaknesses and he's going to do something with your life that will blow your mind. I got a weakness. How do I keep it out of the devil's hands? And how do I get it into God's hands? How do I get it out of the devil's hands? And how do I get it into God's hands? It's going to sound real simple. And it is. You simply have to surrender your weakness to God. You have to surrender your weakness to God. What, what, is that, what does that even look like? Well, first off, for you to surrender your weakness to God, at some point in that process, you are forced to acknowledge you're weak. You're weak. And this is tough for a lot of us to do. It's tough to acknowledge I, I'm weak, especially as a man. I'm weak. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm strong. No. If you want help, you got to got to be real with God. God, I'm, I'm weak. God, I, I need you. How do you surrender your weakness, your brokenness? How do you surrender it to God? God, I need you. God, I can't do it without you. You know what's taking place in your life? The moment you acknowledge to God that you need him, humility, humility. You are embracing a position of humility. What's so powerful about humility? God says this, I resist the proud, but I give grace to the humble. I, the people that don't know me, I, I resist them. They get no help from me. But for that dad who knows he is weak, God, I'm weak. God says I can give him some strength. I'm telling you, there is some grace, an empowerment, a favor. That's the strength. That's where his power shows up. 
It's called grace. It's called grace. It's called grace. It, it makes weak people look strong. Oh, I get up to, on this stage sometimes. I leave and people say, man, you are a man of God. I'm a weak man that needs God. So God shows himself strong. Every day, every day that I wake up, I don't care how many Christian years I have under my belt. God, the same way I needed you that night after youth camp is the same way I need you today. There are days where I will leave services like this and I don't go home singing my praises. I go get in my kid's bedroom. I put on some worship music and I say, God, Thank you for using me today, but I need you. God, I'm nobody without you. God, I'm still flawed. God, I'm still, and you know what God does? More grace, more grace, more grace, more grace, more grace. When you are weak, he is strong. Grace is, is like a spotter in the gym. A while back, I was under a bench press, putting up some real heavy weight, two tens on the sides. I may not be heavy for you, it's heavy for me. And I got a, I got a spotter, and a spotter is just a friend who is standing above the bar, ready to help lift it when it gets too heavy. The spotter does not help until you give him that look like, I need your help, I'm about to die. And it's in that moment the spotter reaches that weight and he lifts it up. You know what humility says? God, this is too, it's too heavy. God, I can't get another rep if I don't have your help. God, I think God's there to spot you. God's there to bring so what was heavy is no longer heavy. That's why it gets real dangerous when pride creeps in. Because pride looks at that spotter and says, uh-uh, I don't need you. I got it. I got five, six, seven, eight. And I'm not going to lie, some of you, you're probably real strong. But you're never that strong. And there will be a time in your life where you are going to need heaven's intervention. And it will not come to you until you acknowledge to your heavenly spotter that I need your help. There's help available to everybody. But he can't help you until you let him know that you need that help. What's that help called? It's called, it's called grace. How, how do I, how do I get grace? How do I get that God help? I have to acknowledge God, I'm, I'm weak. One of, one of the most effective people on this planet was a man by the name of, of Paul. Paul did some incredible things like if anybody was a man of God it was Paul and Paul makes this statement in 2nd Corinthians chapter 12 verse 9 I think we can learn something from Paul Paul is dealing with some weaknesses he says God take them away take them away take them away take them away this is what God says he says this but but God he answered me and he said this my grace is always more than enough for you. And my power find its full expression through your weakness. So this is what Paul says. So I will celebrate my weaknesses for when I am weak, 
I sense more deeply the mighty power of Christ living in me. God said, Paul, I know you want to be strong, but as long as you're weak, you will need me. And when I am there, you'll lack nothing. When I am there, things won't be heavy. When I am there, you will not be stuck. When I am there, nothing can define you other than myself. There's help for you today. It's called grace. How are you going to get grace? I need you. I need you, God. God, I'm a weak man. God, I will never be the dad I'm called to be if I don't have your help. I don't care how many books you read. I don't care how many degrees you have. I don't care how much money's in your bank account. You are still in need of a father. You're still in need of a father. I know you're a grown man, but you are still in need of a father. I feel this today. Some of you had no choice but to man up. Some of you had no choice but to man up. Why? Because there was no support around you. You had to figure it out. And it's crushed you. And you've wanted to cry, but I can't cry because I'm a, I'm a man and I got to figure it out. I hear God speaking today. I've always been your father. Even when the rest turned their backs on you, I, I never did. I know you were on that sideline hoping that your earthly father would pick you. I know he didn't pick you, but I pick you number one. Today, my son, partake of my grace. God loves you. He's for you. Your weakness does not intimidate him. He wants to embrace you today. Weakness and all. I believe we're going to leave this place stronger today. Not just because you're going to grow spiritually, but because God's going to provide some strength. I'm going to ask you right where you're at just to stand to your feet. This is a, a moment that I believe is going to take the weight off of some of you. I'm going to ask Drew to sing a little bit of this song. Can I tell you, God doesn't need a whole lot to work with to get a lot done. And as he begins to sing this song, I believe there's some of us in this place, just between us and God, that we are to acknowledge God. I've been doing this myself. I'm tired. I need you. And I am telling you, there will be supernatural strength that comes to your life when you stop embracing the full responsibility. Right where you're at, open your mouth to God. Open your mouth to God. God, I need you. What does it sound like? That's exactly what it sounds like. God, I need you. God, without you, I'm nothing. God, without you, I won't do it. God, without you, I will continue to fail. God, give me grace. God, give me grace for the season of life that I'm in today. God, give me that grace that I so desperately need. God, I'm not trying to prove nothing. I need you. I need you. I need you. I let go of my image. I let go of how I view myself. And I say, I need you. I need you today, God.
ask you to close your eyes and, and bow your heads. We're going to pray two prayers today. I'm going to pray one. The second prayer, I'm going to give anyone out here the opportunity to pray that prayer with me. But the first prayer is going to be this. We're going to pray and we're going to ask God for his strength and we're going to tell shame to leave. When shame leaves, don't let it back. When shame, shame's going to leave you, shame will leave you. It's going to go. You're going to walk out of here and it's going to try to knock back in the door and say, yeah, but no, 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 shame, shut up. My God uses my weakness to shut you up. Ah, God's going to shame you today, shame. God's going to shame you today, devil. Shame on you forever trying to hold me back. I wish I knew a lot earlier in my life that God can take the things I was ashamed of to catapult my life to the future. We're going to tell shame to leave. And it's going to be your job. When it tries to come back, say, shame, not today. I walk in grace. I walk in grace. I was shame. Not today. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray over every person right now that has been limited by shame, that has been limited by shame. Shame, right now, we bind you and we declare in the name of Jesus that you have no hold on our minds. You have no hold on our, on our souls. You have no hold on us again. We declare right now that he who the Son has set free is free indeed. And if God has called me blessed, I'm blessed. And if God has called me forgiven, I'm forgiven. And I embrace my new identity. Shame, go and come back no more. It's gone. Don't you let it back in. We're going to pray one more prayer. Because there's people in this place that have never been authentically connected to God. Because like myself, you always thought to yourself, why would a perfect God want anything to do with a person like me? Because Jesus, because of Jesus, God loved you so much that he sent his son to die on a cross for you. Jesus did not die on a cross just to be a picture in the household of your grandmother. He died on a cross because he knew you would be up against that thought of shame. And he wanted to remind you today that you're qualified not by your performance, but you are qualified because I went to a cross and I took your shame for you. He took your shame. Why can you connect with God today authentically? Because Jesus took your shame and you can run to a God whose arms are open to you. The Bible says this, all that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We're going to pray a prayer together. And for those making that decision, I'm going to ask you to mean this with all of your heart. And in support of those praying that prayer, I'm going to ask us to all pray this together. We're a family and nobody prays alone. Say this, say, Jesus, today I surrender my life to you. I believe that you lived for me. And I believe that you died for me. And I believe that God raised you from the dead for me. Today I call you my Savior. And I make you 
my Lord. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to celebrationchurch.cc give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus.